Got two different titles for you. If you're a man, right, or becoming one, you get a title. For all the ladies, you get a different title. Same meaning, same thing, but uh, girls, you're not going to write down the mark of a man because you shouldn't technically be all that interested in that. Uh, you're much more interested in becoming a woman. And guys, we don't really care how they become women. We want to be the mark of a man. How do you know? How do you grow into what God wants you to be? And open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, give you a minute. 1 Corinthians 13. Some of you guys, just a heads up, uh, if you guys don't, have Bibles that are the New King James Version. Maybe you have the NIV or, um, I don't know, a couple different ones, New Living Translation. Some of the words might be a little bit different, but the definitions and the meaning of them are exactly the same. You guys know the New Testament is translated out. It wasn't written in English. You guys know Jesus didn't walk around speaking English. You know the disciples didn't speak English. Uh, Do you guys know what they did speak, what they wrote the New Testament in predominantly? Old Testament was Hebrew. New Testament was... Greek lindo, okay? That's Spanish for Greek. And uh, not really, but in Greek. And so all the Bibles we have are translated from that, uh, the words that we understand, but you can go back and look up the original meaning. And so what we're going to do today is look up some things and talk about some things. And so don't get messed up too much. Uh, focus and pay attention to what is the heart of the message that the Holy Spirit wants you to hear today, okay? That's the most important thing. So you guys found it, 1 Corinthians 13. Let's pray. God, we just recognize we are still far from perfect. Lord, though saved, I pray all of us, most of us for sure. God, we still fall short though, the glory of God. We're just forgiven of those things. We ask that you would draw us near to your heart, Lord, that we wouldn't be so concerned with the things of the world, but today we'd be concerned with the things of heaven, the things of eternity. God, that your spirit would impress upon our hearts, Lord, a genuine desire for more of you and for less of us. And Lord, as we look through this text, uh, pretty quickly condemnation or shame can set in, and so guard us from that. It's not your heart, it's not your will. But Lord, you do want us to grow. And so Lord, I pray there'd just be an awesome God-glorifying maturing that takes place, that truly the men would walk out of here having just been marked by you. Lord, the women would grow in that gentleness and that grace and that beauty that you see. But Father, teach us, lead us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Amen. Okay, so in your life, there's all kinds of things, but two primary things to focus on. There's your personality, and then there's your character, all right? Two totally different things. Your personality is kind of just who you are by nature. Your character are the set of beliefs you live by, the things that make you determine and decide and act and react the way that you do. God made you with your personality, but he saved you because of your character or your nature. For us, it's a sin nature. Every one of us is guilty of sin until we step into faith in Jesus. He washes that clean, makes us a new creation, and now we live for him. And the Spirit's transforming things all the time. So personality's fine. 
As we go through this chapter, God's not trying to change your personality, all right? How many of you guys are just flat out in here? You're too cool to be you, but you're at home or you're with your friends, you are a flat out goofball. You're like, yep, total nut job. All right. I love having you guys around. You make my life so fun. Uh, how many of you guys are just absolute quiet? You're silent. You're totally fine sitting in the corner of a room by yourself. I, I'm that guy by nature. Okay. Yeah, you won't even raise your hand. <laughs> that's, that's us. How many of you guys somewhere in the middle of the road? You're like, I don't know. I'm just kind of go with the flow. And do, I'm not a crazy maniac. I'm not the class clown. I'm not super serious. Cool. Look at your personality doesn't have to change. So this isn't like, a, hey, be funny, be happy. This isn't a, hey, calm down and stop being funny. This is, though, after your heart, your character, the set of things in which you believe and drive you to treat people the way you treat them, to talk to them the way that you talk to them, uh, to interact with people the way that you interact with them. There's a couple different versions of love that the Bible talks about, all right, but one that it focuses on. There's one true biblical love. And in English, we all have the word love, right? Everyone say love. Okay, woo, love. Now, a couple things that we're not talking about today. When you say, I love my mama, and then I love pizza, hopefully you don't mean the same exact thing. You're like, I go give my pizza a hug and a kiss goodnight. Like, that's weird. Right? But you better give your mama a hug and a kiss goodnight every night until the day she passes on. So here's how it rolls. There's different things that we mean when we say love. The first Greek word, if you want to go through the Bible, is eros, that feeling of love. Let's just call it uh, the passion of attraction, okay? The butterflies, when you, oh, I think I like that guy. I think I like that girl. Okay, no, I'm in love. Like, no, you're not. You just like them a lot. You're attracted to them, but you're not in love with them, Okay. The second one, phileo, it's just a deep, you guys experience this, it's a, deep, it's a deep friendship, a bond that happens. You know when you meet someone, it just clicks, and all of a sudden you're best friends after the first day of school, and you don't even know how or why? That's cool. That's awesome. God talks about that. Bible even says there are going to be people in your life that are even closer than a brother, that friend. That's cool. That's not exactly the love that we're talking about, though. Um, storge or something, I, can't, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's this idea of having an allegiance. That I, I love my family. That you would rather be wrong and stand with someone than go against them and stand for truth. It happens in life all the time. You'd rather go and lie to try and keep your friend out of trouble than to stand on the side of truth and allow your friend to get in trouble. There's this allegiance and alliance to that person. Or you'd pick family and you're going to die with them then what if they're all wrong? There's, look at guys, people do this all the time, within religion even. Whether it's Mormon, or it's Buddhist, or it's uh, Islam, or it's this idea of Christianity that there's this allegiance to the family religion, and I can't leave that because then, look at I know Christianity's true, but if I change my religion, then they're gonna, give, they're gonna make me move out. They're not gonna talk to me anymore. They're gonna... And so they side, there's this allegiance to their family or friends versus the truth. It's a very real thing, oftentimes in the negative. But then, oh man, when the Bible starts talking about love and the character and the heart, it goes after this word agape, okay? Everyone say agape. Yes, ma'am. Agape. Did you have a question? You know what it is. Okay. Agape, the most uh, primary use, it means charity. When you do something, 
right? How many of you guys have ever done something nice? You picked up a piece of trash in your neighbor's yard. You took out their trash cans. You mowed the lawn. You washed mom's car without her forcing you to. Um, hope, Lord God, you did something on Mother's Day or Father's Day or someone's birthday, not out of guilt, but out of drive. Okay, it's this idea of charity. Maybe you recycle bottles and give the money to orphans. Like, I don't know, but charity. You save the whales and the trees. You are charitable. You give yourself to stuff. Fine. Um, it is a love that is active. I don't know. Dude, there was that, I don't know if it's still on. There were guys that like went and bought a ship and then they would like try and slam into other whaling ships like in Japan and stuff to save the whales. It's the dumbest show I ever saw. They never actually did anything. They just sat there and yelled through a microphone for an hour, but it's like, whatever. Okay. But they had this deep agape love for whales or you chain yourself to a tree. It's this deep agape love. You're not chopping it down. It's like, yeah, we are just through you. Okay. Yeah, Fine. Look, other places in the Bible, Mark chapter 12, you can stay in 1 Corinthians, but Mark 12, 30 and 31, just to sum it up, says the greatest commandment, right? You guys know is to love or agape God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love or agape your neighbor as yourself, to actually do something charitable, to be actively involved in people's lives. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. It says, he who does not love or does not have this visible, observable, sacrificial kind of love in their life, agape, he who does not love or does not love does not know God. How could you say that? Well, look, at, here's the deal. If you knew God, you'd know that he is love. He is agape. God demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, the Bible says. His love doesn't have to be talked about because it was clearly seen. It was on display. And so... He who does not have the same drive and motive has never truly seen who God is because God is love or the word agape. Uh, last one before we dive in, John 15, verse 12 and 13. This is my command, Jesus says, that you love actively, you agape, you show your care for one another as I have loved you. Greater love, agape, how do we do this? Is, has no one than this and they lay down one's life for his friend. Ultimately, you could talk about laying down your life as dying, but every time you give someone else the preference of the last piece of pizza, every time you give someone preference is holding the door, you're laying down what's comfortable for you for the benefit of someone else. Every time you do this, you're laying down your life for what's best for you for what's best for someone else. Got it? Good. Okay. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 13. We're just going to read all the way through, and then we'll talk through it, all right? Though I speak... With tongues of men and of angels, but bless you, but do not have love, agape, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, agape, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned as a martyr, he's talking about, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love, and this is where you got to start paying attention, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Love, agape, it does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It doesn't think evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but it does rejoice in the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Verse 8, love never fails. 
But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Here you go. Focus, focus. Verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. The mark of a man, the becoming of a woman, is apparently the evidence of this agape kind of love. What makes a boy turn into a man is not age, how much muscle you can put on, how much facial hair you can grow. It has nothing to do with, ladies, how tall you get or how pretty you dress or the hairstyle for the day. Do you have this agape in your life, this love that is observable and noticeable, the one that Jesus said, this is how the world's going to know you're my disciples because you have this love for one another. Not by the way you dress or the certain kinds of words that you use. It's not the style of, it's how you are. Not the personality. You're free to be a goofball. You're free to be serious. But your, per, your, your core values, who you are and what you cherish, what causes you to respond to people. So he gives us a list, first of all, pretty much of what love is not. All right, so we're going to jam through what love does not look like. And what I want you guys to start doing, start praying, Lord, show me in my life where I need a tune-up. Because this isn't like a, to expose you and show you how bad you are. This is just to be like, hey, um, guys, this is where we need to focus. This is what you need to see and, and work on. God never reveals something without wanting to work on it. He doesn't expose it to bring shame. He exposes it to bring growth, okay? So love is or love does not do these things. First one, it does not envy you can either circle in your Bible or write it down in your notes. I'm going to tell you what some of these mean. They're, they'll surprise you. It does not envy, okay? It means this passionate jealousy. It doesn't have this passionate jealousy over things. This ownership, controlling, uh, possessive kind of attitude. I want that. That's mine. You see it in relationships. Maybe you've already watched a friend go through some weird romantic thing where she likes some guy or some girl. And then every time, I had a friend that every time he talked to a girl, the girlfriend got super jealous. Every time, you guys have seen it. But it's not just, it can be people, it can be possessions and stuff, but it's a very possessive kind of thing. And Paul's saying, look it, it is not, love is never like that. It is very freeing and giving and chill out. It speaks of freedom love does. It does not envy or this passionate jealousy. It does not parade itself. You guys ever been to a parade? We go to a 4th of July parade every year, and what's funny is pretty much anyone can be in it, literally. You can go walk, and actually I end up in half of it every year because I'm trying to catch up with my family, and they're on the other side, so I just jump and walk through and wave to people, and then when I see my family, I just get out and it's kind of funny. People dress up, people ride their bikes, they paint their cars, they do all kinds of cool stuff. But to parade yourself, it means to put yourself in the spotlight. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't make itself the central focus of life. It's not all about me and what I can get. It's I, I, I. If someone's like, well, this is how it makes me feel, and this is how I am, and this is what I want. It's like, okay, hold on a second. And if in our lives we're super consumed with self and how it is for us, We've begun to parade ourselves or to put ourselves on display when we want, love doesn't want that much attention. It just doesn't. And so when we're hungry for attention, we're operating in something other than this agape kind of a love. 
The only attention you should be craving is that of your Father in heaven because he'll never lead you astray. People will mess you up, but God will lead you straight. It does not parade itself. It's not self-absorbed. Next one, it says, it is not puffed up. Say, look at your friend and say, love is not puffed up. Okay. I don't know if it's still a saying or a way of describing people, but when I was a kid, like, if someone was arrogant or prideful, I'm like, man, that guy's got a big head. You ever, you know, you're familiar with that saying? That guy's got such a big head. She's got a big head. It means, man, they're thinking quite a bit about themselves. They think they're the greatest athlete on earth. They're the most beautiful looking person in the world. Man, that whole idea, I am God's gift to humanity. Like, well, aren't you something? Your mirror might be a little messed up, but whatever. Look, it's not puffed up or proud, meaning it doesn't brag, okay? Flat out love doesn't brag about itself. It's not puffed up. Oh, yeah, you know what I did? You ever have conversations with people and they always have to one-up you, no matter what? If you did a trick on a skateboard, they did a bigger trick on a skateboard. If you went on a trip somewhere, they went on a trip to a farther away land. If you climbed a mountain, they climbed a bigger mountain. If, if you failed a test, they failed it worse. And it's like, come on, <laughs> this is crazy. It's not big-headed. It doesn't have to one-up. Love's okay letting other people be on display, all right? And if you're always like, oh, yeah, well, if, you, if the stories always end with, and this one time I... Careful. Whatever you're operating isn't operating in love. Verse 5, it says, love does not behave rudely. I think we all understand what that is, but I like the way that the Bible defines it when you look it up and the way the Holy Spirit impresses it upon our heart. It means not to bring shame or disgrace upon other people. It doesn't, be, it doesn't mean just don't burp in public. Like, yeah, okay, you shouldn't do that. Like, you should... Was it not eat with your elbows on the table? Like, whoever came up with that rule just must have had, like, a short torso so they couldn't put their arms on the table? Like, I don't know. It doesn't mean just eat proper and don't burp in public. To behave, it, it does not behave rudely means don't bring shame and disgrace upon other people for your own enjoyment. When your jokes and the things you laugh at are at other people's expenses, that's not love. I'm just joking around. Like, it's fine. Whatever it was, it was not love. And if you knew God, who is love, you wouldn't do that because he wouldn't do that. Jokes or actions at other people's expenses. It does not seek its own, all right? This is the next one. Circle it or write it down. It's in verse five. You guys are circling stuff in your Bible. It means self-absorbed. What's in it for me attitude. If you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It, it, okay, I'll help you if you help me. It's like, how about you just help them for no reason at all? You help them because Christ helped you. But when we're all about, well, what's it, what's it going to benefit me? How am I, if your parents ask for help, like, oh, do I get paid for that? <laughs> no. <laughs> you get to live here for free and eat food and wear the clothes that I bought. They just happen to be in your size and all that other good stuff. Driving their car. Imagine if God started charging us. You can breathe my air until you run out of money. Then I'm taking it all back. <gasps> okay does not seek its own. It's not self-absorbed what's in it for me. Two of the things that love is not, it does not behave, or sorry, is not provoked. It's not provoked. Now, how many, this is where I know, even this morning, studying through this, I was like, oh, Lord, we got a lot of work to do in David's life. Uh, man, especially provoked. When people just poke and prod and bug until you just flip. 
<laughs> like, how many of you guys flip out sometimes? And justifiably so. That person just pushes and pushes. Look, look, no joke. Christ is our goal, right? Not good enough. I hate when people are like, well, it's good enough. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Good enough should never be our standard. Christ is our standard. And so Jesus wasn't easily provoked. You understand what they did to him? They beat him, mocked him, whipped him, ripped the flesh from his body, did all this stuff. And then why'd they make the crown of thorns? You ever ask that question? You read through the whole gospel slow enough. Why'd they even do that in the first place? They were totally making fun of him. Oh, you're a king? (laughs) Here's your crown. And they smashed it onto his head. And then while the blood was still wet, they put a a robe over him, some dirty, nasty robe, and and the blood dried. And so when they ripped it off, it retore all the wounds. But they put this robe on him. And it wasn't just to try and be nice and cover him up. They were making fun of him, the way a king would wear his robe. And then they put a staff in his hand as if it was some kingly scepter. And he had this crown of thorns, and he had this massive wounded body and the cloak draped over him and the staff. And they said, oh, King Jesus, totally making fun of him. And what did he do? Was he easily provoked? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That people will poke and they will prod. And I get it. There's a point where in our flesh, we have that that place where we tip and we just knock it off. We flip out. But love understands that people do dumb things because they're blind to truth. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We shouldn't be easily provoked, respond in sharpness, or become super irritable. The last thing that love is not, love is not thinking evil, okay? Maybe this is a a neat turning point. Love Love starts in the mind, guys. It's not thinking evil. You don't have to gossip to be a gossip. Like, what? You don't have to talk trash to be a trash talker. What do you mean? That in your mind, when you let those thoughts begin to form and grow, I hate that guy, he's such a jerk, I hate that person, she's so mean, I hate that guy. And all of those thoughts are continually of evil and they're growing. It's not love. It's not love. It's having a low view of other people not. Jesus never had a low view of you. Today, if you don't know that, Jesus has never had a low view of you. Oh, he knows that your framework is dust and that one day from the ground you came and the ground you'll go back to, the Bible says. When we die, that's what we decompose to. He knows. He knows that left to our own, we'll sin. We'll mess up again. We'll fall short again. But he's never had a low view of you. He loves you so much, he wants to spend eternity with you, and so he died upon the cross for the joy that was set before him. He did it all. So that's what love is not. Pretty quickly, let's take a look at what love is. And none of these are to bring shame, all right? I can look through these and be like, fail, fail, I need to work harder on that. Okay, this one I'm okay at. Oh, but this one I'm horrible. It's not that. It's getting a better picture of who God is so that we can get a better picture of who we are in Christ. So love is, what is love? It suffers long. What do you mean? It doesn't mean just to put up with the annoying people. That's not just what it means. It means to not lose heart, to persevere patiently and bravely in misfortune and troubles. That's cool. Don't lose heart. Keep going. 
Don't give up. Yet love doesn't give up. No, no, it's been two years. I'm done. No, no, no. Don't throw in the towel. Don't wave the white flag. Keep going. Love is very strong. It never gives up. Don't lose heart. Love suffers long. The next thing, love is kind. Verse four, if you want to circle it, love is kind. This is when I look back, I'm like, man, how unloving was I? This is, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes you can't rate yourself. You got to ask God to search your heart. But kindness, guess what? If you work up the word kindness, guess what the definition is? Kindness. <laughs> Isn't that deep? Well, mind blown, right? Yeah, but it's described as being very welcoming or hospitable, uh, not being an intimidating person. That means you don't sit there like this. You walk into a room and someone's just like, what? Like, whoa, hey, just kidding, never mind. So many people live their lives just like stone-faced. Totally hard. Unaware that there's hundreds of people around them all the time. This doesn't mean, I'm not saying change your personality. If you're a serious, quiet person, fine. But look people in the eye and acknowledge them. Hey, how are you? No, you don't have to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. Like, now, if you are like that, you don't have to be like all this, oh, grown-ups sit like this and go, well, hello to you. Like, no, that's not how it works. If you're wild and crazy and like, oh my gosh, I'm going to you here, like, then be that person. If you're not that person, don't be. But kindness means that you're hospitable, you're welcoming, you're not someone who's sucking the life out of a room or like talking to a statue, all right? If looks could kill... Some of you, I've seen it, girls, you're like, you know what she said to me? I'm like, oh, that is bad. Oh my gosh, what'd you do? Nothing, I didn't say anything. My new question after reading this is like, I know you didn't say anything, how'd you look at her? Because like, got daggers flying out of your eyes. I mean, of course she said something. All the girls were like high-fiving, that's right. Like, okay, hold on. Careful, ladies. Guys are more the stone wall, I guess. Girls are the ones that just fire in the eyes. I don't know. But it's, look, it, look, 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 look. You like to cross your arms or just stand all stoic. You might think it's cool, and maybe in this world's perspective it is, but it's definitely not loving. Something awesome about Jesus. I don't know, what, what was it like to see him? People that weren't even allowed to be in public would fight through and break through just to be next to him. Children would run up to him. Sinners would fall at his feet and weep and talk with him. There wasn't anything about Jesus that made you feel like you couldn't approach him. It was awesome. And if we're not like that, or at least becoming like that, then I question how well we really know God. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. I didn't separate this because they go together. To rejoice, man, finding joy and expressing gladness. What, what do you mean? What doesn't find joy in iniquity, meaning you love when your brother or sister get in trouble? Isn't that the best? Like, <laughs> yes. Or finally that person at school that's always a nuisance gets busted and goes to the principal's office. Like, ah, they had it coming. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. God says don't even weep over the death of the wicked. Don't do it. He says, I died for that person. My heart, my will was that they would get saved from that, not end up in everlasting torment. 
And so that we shouldn't rejoice, find joy when brother or sister get in trouble or that guy at school or that horrible person finally gets busted. We should be broken for stuff like that. But we should rejoice, look it, in the total opposite. Rejoice in truth. What's good? I think it's funny. You guys have seen, well, I don't remember. You know who Lightning McQueen is? What is the name of the movie? Cars. I guess the first Cars. You know the end of the movie? Where he's going to beat the old, what's the old geezer car? The blue one. The king, right? And Lightning McQueen, the dino guy. He's got the blue helicopter, the blue thing. Dinoco. There you go. And they're going, and who's the chikow? Who's the, who's the green guy? No, no, no. The green one. Chick, right? Doesn't matter. Replay the scene in your mind. You remember it. Light McQueen's about to win, right? The cup. He's going he's gonna to win. And then all of a sudden, no, he didn't. He didn't die either. The very first cars. Then the king, the blue one, gets flipped and he's smashed and tumbles and rolls and is, is pretty much just shy of dead. And Lightning McQueen looks and sees it, slams on the brakes, comes sliding, and doesn't cross the finish line. The bad guy goes by, gets first place, and he puts it in reverse and goes back, and he helps the broken down car get across the finish line. And that's when the crowd erupts and goes crazy. Why? Because he won? No, he lost. Totally lost. But he did the right thing. That in life, we don't rejoice the way everyone else rejoices. That when we see success the way the world sees success, we can find rejoicing as long as there's truth in it. Something honorable and praiseworthy and something we should give a report of or retell. It's awesome. He says, love doesn't rejoice in iniquity, watching people get busted in trouble, even if they deserve it. It rejoices in truth. It rejoices in seeing the right thing happen, even if it doesn't mean victory. And real fast, check this out. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. All things. Love's not circumstantial, meaning if things are going really good today, then you'll be nice to people. And if things are going really bad today, that's a free ticket to be really mean to them. Jesus wasn't really cool one day and really mean others. He wasn't really nice and then all of a sudden closed up shop and went home and became very selfish. It bears all things. It means, this is wild. You know what it means to bear everything? It doesn't mean the burden of it all. It actually means cover it up. Why retell other people's trash? Don't be that person. To bear all things is a word they use for putting a house or a roof on top of a house. They use the hay and wind it all up and they would bear it or cover it up. It doesn't mean to lie for people, but not to retell their trash, to bear all things. Just put it away. Believes all things. Man, man, give them some credit. You hear some bad news about someone like, yeah, I don't know if that's true or not. It hopes all things. You don't have to be a ridiculously happy person all the time, but look at the cup's half full or half empty. If you're a believer, it's half full. Well, I don't know if it's going to work out that way, man. I mean, most of the time we fail and it falls. Yeah, you know what? That's discouraging, isn't it? A believer's like, no, we can do it. If there's one drop left, like, yeah, you got a drop. If it's empty, it's like, well, now you can fill it up. That's cool. Like, there's, there's always the brighter side. Through Christ, all things are possible. It endures all things. It simply means it doesn't run away. The word to endure, it doesn't mean it just is strong. It means it doesn't run away. Love doesn't run away. And so here we go. It's the greatest, 
Closing it up, a couple things, real quick. Check this out. Look at your Bibles again. Verse 8, love never fails. Love never fails. And then verse 13, it says, and now abide, or within us, is faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. What are you talking about? The other things fail. It doesn't mean fail like you fail to test. It means to come to a conclusion or an end of things. Where there's prophecy and all this awesome stuff that we get to see in our life and the miracles that God does, there will be a time when he returns, which those are done. Or they've failed. They've ceased to be relevant any longer. Kind of like covered wagons. Do you know there's a time in which people would be like, man, that's the sweetest covered wagon. Who made that for you? Like they'd be bragging about the spokes on their wheels and like, Ooh, oh man, these are nice oak spokes, not pine like that other guy. They'd be kicking the rim. and We don't brag about covered wagons anymore. Why? The time has changed. When we're finally with Jesus face to face, we won't be bragging about or any longer looking for these miraculous works of God, though they are amazing. What won't cease or drop off, the word that we see as fail here is love. Love is the one thing that will continue now on into eternity. It is the greatest. It never fails. It is indeed, he said, when I was a child, if I were you, I'd circle verse 11. This is the mark of a man. It's the mark of a man. It is, ladies, It is your foundation. It is the core of who you are. If you want to become a woman. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. And that's fine. But today's a day of growing up a little bit. Today's a day of responding. But when when I became a man, I put away childish things. Time to become a man. Ladies, time to become a woman. They would put off the childish things. Again, you're silly, goofy, stay that way. You're not, don't feel like you got to become that. But the core of who you are, that we'd see God and know this is exactly who he is and who he is is within us. And he opened with an awesome kind of almost sarcastic statement. The worship team, you guys can come on out. But I want to read through this verse as they get ready. And guys, keep your Bibles open. Look at this real fast. Verse 1 of the same chapter. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. He's saying, look at your speech. Okay, number one, the air, there's three areas of your life that this agape love has to take root. First one is the way you talk to people, your speech. That you're going to walk out of here in a few minutes. You're about to worship God with your words. So don't walk out of here and slam people with the same thing. And that we'd be very kind and affectionate and hope all things and believe and bear all things in the way that we talk to people. And he says, look, I don't care if you can speak a ton of languages and preach the gospel to every nation. I don't care if you can speak on behalf of angels. I don't don't care. Because if you don't have this love, you're annoying. You ever meet someone super right, but they're super mean in how they say it? You don't care. They're like clanging cymbals. It's just annoying. I don't want to hear it. 
Oh, would you present truth and love and anyone will listen to you. Your speech. Second one is your spirituality. How, how religious are you guys? If love's not in the mix, it's fake. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding mysteries and knowledge, I have faith to move mountains. It means to reshape kingdoms, but don't have love. I myself have become nothing. It's the shell of religion. It doesn't matter. I don't care how long you've been coming to church. You served at VBS. You help in the courtyard with the cookies. Whatever. If it's not done with love, it's fake. The third thing is our sacrifice. Oh, you don't know what I give up for people. Like if you don't do it in love, there's no point. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I believe it. I die for this truth. That's fine. But have not love, it profits me nothing. So guys, from the way that we talk, they're annoying, I know. Your spirituality, you bring the biggest Bible, you've memorized the most verses, you've been here the longest. Do you love people? Do you love God? And your sacrifice, I go feed the homeless. Okay, good for you. But unless you do it with love, there's no gain. So we're going to worship. You can hit the lights. And I want you guys right now, we have time. I, if, I, if I had my Bible, I'd keep it open right now and think about reading through it, asking the Holy Spirit, look, show me right now where I'm at, what's lacking. The leaders are around, guys, and I really want to look, read through that list. Everyone, how many of you guys know there's at least one of these things like, I need to work on this part? Okay, all of us. So then you find that part, say, okay, Lord, I need to not be so puffed up and proud, or I need to not be provoked so easily. I get mad so fast. I need to not envy and be jealous. I need to stop throwing daggers with my eyes. And during worship, slip out. Grab one of the leaders and just say, hey, this is, this is the one for me. And we're going to pray because God's the one that does this. And you can't just naturally become kind, naturally become joyful, naturally become nice. It's impossible. But through Christ and the working of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. And so look, go find that leader. Find someone. Say, this is it. This is what God's going to do in my life this week. Let's pray. And let God do it. All right? I'm serious. How do you guys know what it is? You already know. You don't have to reread the list. You know the thing already that God wants to do this week. Okay? Then you be the first ones. And you slip out and you get prayer. Why don't we all stand real quick? God, we thank you and rejoice in your goodness. And Lord, that we don't have to strive to become these. We just crucify the flesh and give the spirit room to work. And so God, move and now be honored in our worship. Be glorified, please. In Jesus' name, amen.